Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We're coming home, and we're, we're nearly to the ranch, and he, he kind of looks over at me. He goes, Dad, I got a question. I said, okay. And, and this kid can be, you know, he, he laughs at fart jokes, you know what I mean, like, like every kid does, but he can also be really, really deep. And he said, Dad, how come, how come people shy away from hard work so much? And, and, and I look over at him, man, and this kid literally has bl- dried blood on him. He, uh, he's, just, he's weary to the bone, and he's got a smile on his face. He said, Dad, how come people are, are, are sometimes afraid of hard work? And I said, well, son, I, you know, I, I, I guess it's, it's not what you think. And once I told him what it was, he sat there for a second. He goes, you know, I ain't never thought of it like that. I said, but I, he said, I like that. And he said, he said something to me that just blew my mind. He said, that changes everything. What I told him was, I said, a lot of people are, are uh, kind of try to shy away from hard things of, of uh, hard work because hard work is one thing that you don't want before you start and something you won't regret once it's over. Hard work is something that you, you kind of try to shy away from because you know how hard it's going to be. But after you get done, man, there's just this feeling inside you that's like, yeah, look at what I did. And, and, you know, it's a shame that more people don't work with their hands and, and don't get out there and, and get, you know, bloody and sweaty and get kicked in the chest. And, and honestly, if you are truly following God, if you are traveling down that narrow road, that's what's going to happen to you. Okay, you know, I, I, I think that God is a God of love and, and he's one of, of grace and mercy. But Jesus himself said, man, there, there's a narrow trail here and many's going to look for it, but just a few's going to be able to follow it. And, it, and it's just, it's tearing ourselves away from the world that is hard. So uh, the, probably the hardest work that I've ever done was I worked for a ranch down in South Texas uh, near Carrizo Springs, Texas, and uh, the San Pedro Ranch. And uh, we went over to a, a little farming community right on the border, right on the Rio Grande called El Indio, Texas. Now, the address of El Indio, Texas is like 101 County Road, like 202 or something like that. And, and, and Hell's address is 100 County Road 202. That's how hot El Indio, Texas is. It's, it, they're next door neighbors, right? So we're in El Indio, Texas. There's a, we've got a, a, a big brown horse trailer that we are fixing to load plum full of alfalfa hay. Now, if you've never stacked alfalfa hay in El Indio, Texas in 115 degree heat with zero wind, you are missing out. But I was lucky enough to do this. And so my job was to take the, the hay from the back of the trailer and stack it in the front of the trailer as the, as the truck moved along here. And they would uh, had three cowboys that would go, and they would gather it up out of the field and throw it on the back of the trailer, and then I would take it. So they, you know, if we loaded 100 bales in this trailer, each of those guys only touched like 33 of them. I touched 100, right? So anyway, you've got to understand a couple of things about me. Number one is I am allergic to hay. I walk in a 
feed store and my old sinuses just go to go to spanking on my face. You know what I mean? And so now I'm going to be taking these alfalfa bells, and I ain't talking about these little 25-pound bells. I'm talking about like 100-pound bells. And I know that I don't look 6'4 and 240, but, you know, they weighed as much as I did, right? And so anyway, I'm taking these to the back, and I'm like, don't say anything. You're a new cowboy here. You don't tell them that you're allergic to hay. You just do your job, cowboy. And so I'm taking this hay back there, and I was good for about the first 10 bells or so. And then there was this alfalfa haze that started hanging in the air. It looked like smoke or something that I was having to go through. And all of a sudden, my that alfalfa started getting in my old, old sinuses. And do you know what the word copious means? If you look up the word copious in the dictionary, there's a picture of my nose and the snot that was coming out of my face due to my allergies to hay, right? And so I'm like, it was gross. I was like, I can't help it. I mean, it's like somebody turned me, you know, tried to hold my nose and then I started drowning. I stared, somebody's going to have to, you know, give me mouth to mouth. And I didn't, those cowboys wasn't the type that you want to do that. And so anyway, I've also, I'm a bad asthmatic. And back then we didn't have as good a medicine as we do now. And so I was sucking on that asthma inhaler like a lollipop. You know what I mean? I just had it out. I just kept, it was like a regulator in scuba gear, right? You just kept it in your mouth. I ended up duct taping it to my mouth and I just hit my head on the side of the trailer to give me a dose so I could keep breathing, right? Hottest, craziest, sticky, just you had hay in places that hay ain't supposed to go, in your face, in your eyes, in your nose, in your pants, it was everywhere, right? And I don't think I have ever been as physically exhausted as I was that day. So we got done, and we are going along, and we're driving back to the ranch, and we got the AC on. Y'all cowboys know what that cowboy AC is when you got four windows down at 55 miles an hour? That's the way it was. I had my arm, because I was sitting in the back right behind the driver, had my arm hanging out like this, about to die. But, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, my gosh, I am so glad today is over. I could not wait to get back to the ranch and take a shower till the next day. I mean, I was miserable, but I was glad it was over. And I was like, yeah, I did it. I like to dehydrate it and kill myself, but I did it. And I sitting there with my head, my hand, my elbow hanging out the window, just enjoying the nice evening breeze. And all of a sudden, I look out, and we got a trailer tire off the trailers coming right alongside the truck. And I'm like, what's up? That trailer tire was like, what's up? I mean, it was just, it was cruising right alongside me. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I said, how are you? He said, I'm a little tired. <laughs> I made that up in the first service. Wasn't that good? You didn't laugh very much. So anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, things are fixing. My day just got a lot longer. So I didn't say anything. I'm just looking at this tire. It's just wheeling along beside me. <laughs> Thank you, honey. It's my wife. She loves me. She loves me. So anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm watching this tire and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I'm never going to get home because I know what this big, you know, trailer tire is going to do. It's going to go off in the bar ditch and it's going to take out about 100 feet of fence, right? 
And so it crams into the fence, and no, it doesn't. Right before it gets there, the hand of God came down and lifted that trailer tire. I kid you not. That thing bounced, and if the fence is right here, it bounced right over the fence and hit right on the other side and went down a little ways and just laid down. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we got the, we got the tire, and we put it in the trailer and kind of jacked up that spindle where it wasn't dragging on the ground, and we kind of limped our way back to the ranch. But that was one of the hardest days, like physically demanding days I have ever had in my life. And, and it wasn't just a physical. I mean, I, 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 we can laugh about it now, but I was sick. I mean, I am really allergic to, hey, you know, my face, you know, all blowed up and couldn't hardly open my eyes and everything. But I, I persevered. I got through it. I kept doing it. And you know, no matter how much I suffered that day, at the end of the day, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade that for anything because that's what hard work does to us. We, 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 we dread it before we start. Sometimes we complain about it when it's going on. But in the grand scheme of things, once it's over, you have a sense of accomplishment. You have a sense of purpose that you got something accomplished. And, and in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14, the good book tells us some things that we can do to travel down that narrow trail. And none of them's easy, okay? Not a single one of these things is easy. It says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless. And it goes on to say like Esau, and it kind of tells of what Esau did. But you want to talk about some hard work, okay? You know, following God is, is not all unicorns and daisies and skittles, okay? There is some hard work. If you, if you look before that in Hebrews chapter 12, that's when, that's when God says, look, no discipline is fun while you are going through it. As a matter of fact, in some versions, like the New Living Translation, there's a hyphen right there or a dash, and it even says it's painful, it's painful. I think the problem with, with Christianity a lot of times is we talk about the good things, but then when somebody truly starts trying to follow God, they, they see just how tough it can be on you, and, and they quit. I don't want you to quit. I want you to live a life that you have never experienced before. I want you to do things and go places that you can never go on your own. But I'm going to be really honest with you and say that if you choose this life, which it's the only way to eternal life in heaven, if you choose this life, it's going to be the best thing you ever did, and it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, God, God is love, and he wouldn't let anything bad happen. No, I, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. He said that no matter what happens, I will be with you, and I will love you. The very first thing that, that, that Hebrews 12:14 through 16 said was work at living in peace 
with everyone. You know, we, we could take these five things in Hebrews chapter 12, 13 through 16, and we could say, you know what, I'm going to work on these five things, and it would probably take us the rest of our lives. A lot of times people, as a preacher or, or pastor or whatever you want to call me, uh, usually just Kevin will work just fine, uh, people say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Read it right there. That, that's what God wants you to do. He says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless. The very first thing it said right there was work at living in peace with everyone. What gets in the way of that? The main thing that gets in the way of living in peace with everyone is our opinions. We live in a time and place that we think that our First Amendment right to free speech means that we got to go around and tell everyone our opinion of everything. My gosh. And, and, you know, and, and sometimes whenever, whenever I'm talking like this, the, the first thing we start thinking of is other people that do that. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to me. Nobody wants to hear my opinion about anything. If I speak, you know what I want to speak? I want to speak the truth according to God's Word. Not just go around telling us opinions about this or that. The other thing that gets in the way is, is our selfishness. I mean, we kind of live in a society where we believe that this world is a movie and we are the star. We, 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 we go around, and if we have a bad day, we, we, we try to make sure everybody else is having a bad day. I mean, we kind of put ourselves at the center of the universe, and that everything revolves around us. Now, that, that's not necessarily that, that I think that all of us are, are bad people, but we don't know what anybody else is going through. We only live in our lives. But we are not the center of attention. And you know what? Somebody may do something that, that makes you mad or something. Who cares? This, this life doesn't revolve around us. And, and the, the, the third thing that gets in the way of living at peace with everyone is our pride. Is our pride. And, and that right there is a, is a dangerous, dangerous avenue that I know uh, I have traveled down most of my life, very, very prideful. Uh, and, you know, in, in essence, what pride is, is it's a comparison. Anytime we compare ourselves with somebody else, it's a sin to say, well, I'm better than they are, or my way is right. My political affiliation is better than somebody else's political affiliation. Anytime you make a comparison with yourself or even between other two things, you are being prideful and being casting yourself as a judge. It gets in the way. And, and here's the thing. I'm not saying that you're a bad person because of it, but it ends up hurting you in the long run. It starts damaging that peace that we need to have between us and other people. Living in peace is something that you don't want before you start. Working hard is something that you don't want before you start but you really love after you're done. Living in peace is something you don't want before you start, and it's something you won't regret once it's over. You know, there, there's a cowboy that, that, that has just become a really, really good friend of mine, and I can honestly say that he is only the second person I have ever met in my life, only the second person that we have, we have uh, 
gathered cattle. We have branded together. I mean, you name it, cowboy, and me and this fella have done it together. And not one single time has anything ever been said negative about somebody else that came out of his mouth. There was other things that came out of his mouth a few times. I've seen him bucked off. So I ain't saying he's a saint. But I am telling you that I have never, ever, ever heard him say one negative thing about somebody else. He has mastered the art of living at peace with other people. And other people just flock to him. There's something about him that people can just sense. That's what living a godly life will do. The second thing that Hebrews said is work at living a holy life. Now, a lot of people, you know, you hear that, those terms, holier than thou. We're not talking about being, that's that comparison deal going again. There's no pride. But here, when we live a holy life, what a holy life is, is being in tune with God. Okay, here's a, here's a great uh, a science experiment. You take two tuning forks. If you don't know what a tuning fork is, you don't eat spaghetti with it. Okay, you tune pianos and stuff like that. But you take two tuning forks that are, are tuned to the same key, like C or something. You strike one tuning fork, and it starts vibrating and making a sound. You point it at the other one, the other one will start vibrating too because of harmonic resonance. That's what being holy is. When God starts talking, you start doing the same thing. That's what a holy life is. That is what we are trying to achieve. We're not trying to be better than anybody else. We're not walking around so that people, oh, look how holy he is. No, we're trying to get in tune with God. We are trying to, to have a harmonic resonance so that when God starts working, we are on the same exact page. It's not easy because what we have on our tuning fork is we have sin and we have pride and we have selfishness and we have all this other stuff that keeps it from doing the right thing, right? The third thing it said is look after each other. Look, I, I'm just going to be real brief here. I'm going to be real brief. A lot of people's idea of authentic Christianity is being nice. God never told us to be nice. Not one time did he tell you to be nice. He told you to be kind. There is a difference between nice and kind. Because see, nice don't cost you anything. Smiling at people, waving at people, saying good morning, that's being nice. That don't cost you nothing. But man, lifting somebody up that has just been trampled by that old devil, giving yourself to other people, that is being nice. The Bible tells us to look after one another. Being nice has never looked after anybody. We are called to be kind. And it costs us everything. Jesus said, anybody that's looking to save their life will lose it, but anybody that's willing to give their life up for my sake shall find it. You want to truly follow that narrow trail? You can work on that the rest of your life. Just being kind instead of nice. The fourth thing, and I'm going to run through these last two really quick, says watch out for bitterness. Watch out for bitterness. And man, if there was a situation where we became bitter, it's easy to do for Christians because you see so much of this world is just going to pot. and I mean, there, There's a lot to be angry or hurt about, but the Bible tells us do not become bitter. Bitterness is a disease that hides itself from the host and reveals itself to everybody else. 
Okay? Bitterness is a disease that hides itself from the host and reveals itself to everybody else. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's bitter, that's always got a complaint, that's always got something negative to say about the situation or what they heard or blah, blah, blah. We need to be joyful, not bitter. And the last thing, the last thing that Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 16 talks about is don't be immoral or godless. And when, I, when we start talking about immorality, living a life contrary to what God has called us to, okay? I'm not going to sit out here and start naming sins off because your sins are different than my sins, and I've still got them, and I'm, and I'm working on them, okay? Pride is one of the big ones that I have to work on. But immorality is, is something that we think is going to make us feel better in the beginning, but it's going to hurt us and make it harder later on. You know, not too long ago, I was, I was, I was sinning. I was working on a tractor, and I'm not a mechanic, okay? If there's a setting me up for failure, it's trying to be a mechanic. And I had an old wrench right there, and I was trying to get this bolt undone, and it slipped, and I just busted my knuckle wide open. And I got mad, and I threw the wrench. That was kind of sound effects, wasn't it? That was awesome. It was like the wrench just landed. Yeah, thank you. God's with us, right? And so anyway, I threw that wrench, held my hand, said some things I probably shouldn't have said, and then guess what I had to do? I had to go get the wrench. That's what living an immoral life will do to us. We think that when we go out and do the things that, that, that our mamas and our daddies told us not to or our preachers said, man, don't do that, man. That's a box canyon. You're going to go all the way down there and you think it's going to be great, but it's not. You're going to have to come back. Don't live an immoral or godless life. You know, all of this put together, God's going to help you do it. And sometimes He's going to guide us. He's going to guide us along that path. And then other times, if we keep trying to get off that path, sometimes they're going to go up behind us and smack us on the back of the head. Both of those is God loving us. Okay, Living a holy life is not easy. We do need to repent of the sin. We do need to follow God's ways. Because listen, this may sound very simplistic, but we can base a lot of theology around what I'm fixing to say. You can't get God's blessings by doing it your way. You can't get all the promises of God if you're off the trail. And the bad thing about it is this sin and everything. You know, anybody can follow a horse through freshly, freshly fallen snow. You know, that beautiful meadow with the horse that went through it. You can follow that all day long. But when you sin, that snow starts to melt. And you keep sinning with sin in your life and you're not following God. Man, it gets it hard to see the trail. Before too long, that old pony's walking on solid rock and you ain't got no idea where the trail is. I'm trying to encourage y'all, follow God. A lot of you is like, man, I just, I, I don't want to give up this life that I've been doing and la, la, la. I know it seems hard now, but once you start doing it, man, you may come back a little battered and bruised and copious amounts of fluid. I don't know. But it is one thing that you will never, ever, ever regret is following our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. When we pulled into the ranch, Griffin had been quiet for a mile or two. And he said, how come
come you didn't have to flank today? And I said, because I can rope. He said, huh, so that's the secret, huh? I said, yeah. I said, if you could have roped, I'd have switched off with you. He said, well, now he's a, he's a skateboarder, okay? He's, he, he can do most of the cowboy stuff, but he's more of a skateboarder. He goes, well, I know you're going to make me go to these Brandons, so I think I'm going to learn how to rope because that, that flanking stuff is for the birds. He said, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to learn how to rope. I said, okay. He said, so if I learn to rope, is that the secret to being a cowboy, learning how to rope? And I said, son, listen. The secret to being a cowboy, the secret to being a cowboy is this. It's a lot simpler than roping and ten times as hard. And if you'll go to SaveTheCowboy.com next week at 1015, you'll get to hear what that is. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for all the people that have showed up at the El Paso County Fair this, this week to, to listen to your word. Yeah, it, it's a little bit hot in here. And, and those that have showed up in Kiowa and those that are spread all over the United States, sitting in their living rooms with their families, listening to the word of God. God, I ask a blessing on all of these people. And I ask you to strengthen them, to encourage them for the road ahead because it is going to be hard and it is going to be absolutely worth it. God, you are going to take these folks places that they would never be able to go on their own. You are going to give them experiences unlike anything they have ever even dreamed. And that is available for those that follow that narrow trail and those that do things your way. God, I pray right now that whether they've been gone for a while or, or maybe they've been following it for, for, for a long time, either case, let us rededicate ourselves to you and know that everything hinges on you and your word and our relationship with your son. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.